Big D Entertainment, in association with Dipsy Doodle Productions, presents the Dave Holly Hour. Brought to you by TJS Ceramics, Posh Boutique in the Bridges at 57th, The Sky in T, XL Chiropractic, Quality Nails, Jesse Moffat Entertainment, and Sonny's Pizzeria. The Dave Holly Hour features Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment Conversations. A true lover of arts, entertainment, good food and fun times, including an occasional Jack Daniels. Okay, so a few Jack Daniels. Here he is, Dave Holly. Thank you, Zach. Look forward to seeing you perform improv tomorrow night. Here we are at the turnaround, you know, halfway, the circumference of a circle, because we're going to do episode 180, and a fine one it is. In a few minutes, we talk with jazz musician Alexander Olson. Then later in the show, those ever-busy, ever-entertaining, and downright cute couple, Amy and Matt Morrison, join us. Amy taking on a big new venture. Plus, we'll tell you who or what gets this week's honorable mention, as well as choose another winner of Pizza with a Podcaster. But first, you know the drill. Let's pop the cork on this bubbly little show. Time to grab your favorite beverage, lift it high, and toast it to being Thursday, a.k.a. Weekend Eve. Hey, the weekend isn't around the corner, it's here! So long, hump day in your frumpy way. We say hello to Thursdays with opening nights. The weekend is near and we can see the bright lights. Yes, Thursday, you're so hearty. We can't wait for Friday, so a day early, we start the party. Whatever you're deciding to toast with, no matter what your beverage is, lift them high to the class of 2023. Be it high school or university, it's a step along your journey of life. You've earned your congratulations as well as your tassels. Just be safe so that you can make sure you move on to your next adventure, your next part of that journey of life. Congratulations. Class of 2023. The Weekend Eve Toast is brought to you by The Sky in Tea. The Sky provides all caps fun, and that best had with friends. Have fun playing darts, shooting pool, have fun listening to great live music from local musicians, have fun singing at karaoke, and have fun testing your knowledge at trivia. Maybe you need some room to hold a company party. You got a big benefit going on or something? Well, the sky's got that big back room, so you can get in there. No matter what's going on at the sky, it's local and it's lively. It's time to choose a lucky winner of Pizza with a Podcaster. Everyone that follows the Dave Holly Hour on Facebook or Instagram is automatically entered to win a free pizza from Sonny's Pizzeria. We pick a winner each week, and this week we say congratulations to Mike Huber. We'll be in touch with you, Mike, to get you all set up with some jowl-dropping, show-stopping thin crust pizza. Pizza with a Podcaster is brought to you by Sonny's Pizzeria, right across from USF at 26th and Waltz, and Sonny's at 81 on South Phillips. Check out the very fun and incredibly flavorful menu online, sonnyspizzeria.com. What has made Dave smile this past week? Well, we were able to get away for a weekend, so didn't get any local entertainment in. But now this weekend, tonight at the Icon, it's the Midtown Coffee Radio Hour. 
that show has a great host and some very, very talented musicians. Tomorrow night at the Icon, it's Improv Falls. And Saturday night, my love and I will finally get to Worthing for Old Town Dinner Theater's production of The Movie Game. Now, what's great about this triple header is all of these shows have great casts, the great majority of them being friends, and we'll be enjoying them with friends. So honorable mention to the triple threat this weekend of local entertainment. Later in the show, one of the cutest couples in local showbiz, Amy and Matt Morrison. Up next, jazz musician Alexander Olson on the show for the first time on the Dave Holly Hour. Check out the new ceramic studio in Sioux Falls, conveniently located off Kiwanis Avenue on 5th Street. TJS Ceramics. We have thousands of classic vintage ceramic mold items and several new items too. TJS Ceramics offers classes through the Sioux Falls Community Education Program and special open studio nights every Thursday evening. Bisque, studio time, or finished custom items are available. Visit TJS Ceramics Studio in Sioux Falls today. Helping women feel empowered and confident is what Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th does while supplying high quality clothing that fits your lifestyle, personality, and price point. Whether you want comfy and cozy, casual attire, or something for a special occasion, Posh provides quality, selection, and value. They carry sizes extra small to 3X and have something appropriate for any age. Feel empowered and get confident. Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th. Dr. Perry Langston and Dr. Corey Tooney know excellence is in you. That's why they provide you with excellent care at Exo Chiropractic, improving your overall health in spirit, body, mind, and will. Get results the natural way. Arrange a consultation, 605-332-9235 or exochiros.com. Excellent care for excellent people. Excel Chiropractic, located at 4309 South Racket Drive in Sioux Falls. Support the Dave Holly Hour in a very easy way. Buy Dave a cup of coffee by clicking the cup in the lower left corner of www.davehollyhour.com. Welcome back, everybody. It is always a pleasure to have you along. You know what I love to say because I start off with it's always a pleasure to talk Sioux Empire art and entertainment. And always a great pleasure to have a new guest along. Alexander Olson, how are you? I'm excellent. Glad yeah. to hear that. I, can, I know you're excellent because I have witnessed your excellenceness. I didn't want to say excellency <laughs> since we just crowned a king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, the, the Uncalculated Jazz Cooperative. I have seen you a couple of times now down at Monks. And um, I had met you one time, I think, prior to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had not uh, had the fortune of seeing you play. And uh, so, of course, you know, Al Bourbon's there and... Uh, my, my good friend Joel Shotwell and my mm -hmm. even better friend Ruben Rodriguez, who brings tacos when he comes over, All right. yeah. <laughs> had told me about it. And so I go down there and it blew me away. Thank you. I, awesome. What do you call the form of jazz that those four of you perform? Ooh, I'd probably describe it as... Sort of high energy, funk based jazz, and it's like yeah. reimagined 
standards and then a handful of sort of deep cut funk tunes from that era and um yeah the ballads i mean it's just high energy intense funk based okay. or groove based jazz so, so yeah. we'll go with that for the uh the technical answer because yeah. all i could think of it after i saw it was damn that was hot yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I, i've just been referring what i tell people about it it's hot jazz it's just hot yeah uh because you know you go around and and uh i'm a jazz lover uh, and so I try to take in as much as I can. And uh, I love, you know, you're going to get the standards. You're going to get the things that uh, somebody will maybe even involve a crooner from mm-hmm. time to time. Or you get the big band. I mm-hmm. love it all and so forth. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I was in high school, um, Spyro Gyra was a, a big group. Yeah. Uh, Weather Report uh, and, and groups like that. And I, I think we kind of referred to it as triple z jazz you know oh, because sure. it was a little upbeat from what we grew up thinking of just jazz with dave brubeck mm-hmm. uh, etc and it's like okay so this though was just blowing my mind cool uh, when i saw it the first time and so then as soon as we saw that it was going to be back it's like well we got to go again All right yeah <laughs> when did you start playing i started when i was five years old taking lessons formally okay and um i got put at university of sioux falls with the director of piano studies there when i was just about eight years old and i studied with her all the way from eight years old up through high school and then prior to that uh i mean even prior to starting lessons at you know being five years old my older brother played as well Mm -hmm. and he was five years older than me so when he would practice, my parents would let me sit on his shoulders when I was still that way. <laughs> so I would sit on his shoulders while he was practicing and going right. through. So I had sort of a bird's eye view. And, you know, a couple times a week, I would just hang out on his shoulders and watch him play and try to figure out what the heck was going on because I was fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was one of those things where I was always standing next to him, sort of bugging him at the piano, being like, how do you do that? What are you doing? And then eventually I'm like sitting on the bench next to him. And then there's not enough room on the bench. He's like, well, you just sit on my shoulders. You know, you, you weigh, you know, 40 pounds. It's not that big of a deal. So that was that was pretty cool. That was how I got exposed to it at first. And, um, yeah, I went to the Augie music program for about a year and a half. And then I completely switched tracks and was doing, like, a pre-law program. And I went and worked out in Washington, D.C. And... Uh, became pretty quickly apparent that uh that wasn't quite the track that i was on because i was the intern that was a musician so even even in you know the most prestigious government uh (laughs) you know as high as you can get on a government federal level it was like oh that's the musician you know i wasn't the politician i wasn't the up-and-coming politician it's like we have this intern who's an awesome musician you got to check it out so i was like i think i might have uh (laughs) jumped the tracks a little bit too early there and went back to playing music and did you go back to school then and and start taking up music more in terms of courses and so forth or were you pretty well versed by that point i was pretty well versed by that point i was seeking out a lot of my own materials and i was um purchasing a bunch of textbooks because you know at that time youtube didn't have the huge library of amazing teachers it does now and um yeah, it just, uh, 
ended up studying and garnering as much as I could from, you know, the greats that came before us and put it in these nice textbooks. And it was a different way of learning. And then I had been studying classical and that's kind of why I think it didn't work quite right when I was doing like formal education. So I had all my classical technique figured out and I was playing competition pieces and, you know, spending six, seven hours a day in a practice room at Augie. And there were beautiful practice rooms and facilities and they had awesome instruments and things like that, but it was a lonely endeavor. Mm -hmm. And sort of branching out and being able to play music with my friends was an epiphany and it became an interactive conversational process versus um, kind of making a sculpture for six months at a time and then playing the pieces you know, typically to less than 15 people, right? <laughs> you know, 20, <laughs> 30 minutes, sometimes an hour of memorized pieces. And uh, it took a toll on me to sit in the practice room. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a tough realization to come to that I couldn't uh, quite make my way in classical like that because I did love playing it. But to be at that level, and there's some people who, they, seems like they love that sort of work and that alone time and that's part of their creative process but i couldn't find a ton of creativity and you know a, yeah you're not just a dark practice room else. but yeah. an isolated practice room <laughs> right yeah so it was bit, playing classical to me it, what it sort of felt like was um and some of the guys laugh at this it was like it felt like you were driving a go-kart on an empty track by yourself <laughs> And then all of a sudden you start jamming with your friends and other musicians and meeting people. And all of a sudden there's, you know, four or five other people and you're all zipping around and like working on turns and stuff like that. It's like, oh, you should try this right here. It's like, oh, yeah. But, you know, so it was it was a total shift in sort of my philosophy because I had become really jaded and burnt out, honestly, on the, on the <laughs> classical <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So. And it's amazing stuff, but it's it really wore on me. It wasn't a great fit, but it got me some awesome technique and some insight into jazz where um started analyzing pieces and things like that and a lot of the jazz improv um improv i think gets a little bit of a misnomer because it feels a lot more like live composing where you have a pretty strict set of rules you're operating in mm -hmm. and um it can really go if you're not careful, it can really go over some people's heads and you can sort of lose people in the process depending on what, you know, techniques, mechanisms, theoretical ideas you're using. But yeah, it was, um, so it, it feels like live composing. And I think that, you know, you, you mentioned Joel and he composes and he just released that album and released some albums with the JAS and, um, he did some brilliant work on that and you know uh sort of jazz improv feels like composing well you're falling down a flight of stairs or something <laughs> like that you know I, I, lo yeah. I love that term though live composing yeah you know and uh it, because i guess you know i always say well you know the great thing about jazz is you, you get all this improv you mm -hmm. know somebody just takes off and it it always looks like uh you just got into a groove yeah and you know it's just happening mm -hmm. uh you know and, and it's it's 
you're the lucky one that has the talent to be able to be doing that and the audience gets to enjoy that talent and that groove that you have at a hit i mean when because uh you know when you start that and you and again i love this uh calling it live composing Mm -hmm. what hits first is there a particular note a chord or just a thought that you want to take off with yeah so there's usually a little bit of a structure that's like a jumping off point and then you know that's sort of the that's sort of the airplane that takes you up to altitude and then you sort of jump out with your parachute on and try to you know navigate your way back down to earth somehow but yeah it's a it becomes conversational and after a while the lines start to blur between you and the instrument where if you're comfortable and you are surrounded by musicians that you trust it begins to be really conversational and it's um you'll hear little sort of micro sort of micro expressions from the other players and then that can strike an idea up and it can go in any direction based on you know what someone kind of dropped into the bucket and then yeah it's a it's a really beautiful process and being able to sort of converse and bounce ideas off of other musicians and then even just resonating with other musicians when they have an idea and if you play with them long enough you sort of gain this esp where you sort of know where they're going before they go but usually they're giving you clues right and then you can follow them down the rabbit hole and make it back out sometimes (laughs) not you know but you know that's those are sort of the funny moments where where you'll see us kind of laugh at each other and be like oh well that didn't quite work or you know, there was something there and it, it kind of floated away or something like that. So there's an element of danger to it as well, where you're reading into your players and you're sort of um, taking these almost microscopic interactions and they sort of spark ideas in everyone's heads. And then that's when it really starts to combust is when everyone's listening really closely to each other. And it doesn't seem like that on stage because we're also involved in our instruments, but when you when you hit that stride and after you're warmed up you're really tuned up to almost any audio input so sometimes like the dinner gigs and stuff like that are fun but some of the musicians who are really dialed in it's like you can hear a fork hit a plate from the back of the room at the wrong moment you know it can kind of zap you out of it's like flash photography or something (laughs) You know, so there's a certain element to the use of strobes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's really conversational, and a lot of the ideas come from the players around you, which is cool because that way you're almost never running out mm-hmm. of ideas. And um, playing solo, even just improving solo, you'd be surprised how quickly you run out of ideas. But then you add in three or four of your friends that you've played a lot with, that you trust that you're like resonating really well with there's like almost infinite possibilities you know four minds working all at the same time you can come up with some really really awesome stuff so and the yeah. other thing is you know even if you play uh two nights in a row you play the same set it's yeah gonna be different every night too yeah it always feels slightly yeah. different you could play the same tune and it would feel just a little bit different and be like oh i liked where that one went and sometimes some of the tunes fall flat if the feeling isn't quite there and then other nights you could play the same tune it could be the next night and be like wow that was 
That's what that tune's supposed that to special. feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you grew up playing the piano, mm-hmm. uh, playing the 88s. What point did you switch over and all of a sudden go, hey, this key stuff and, you know, being hooked up to an amp, this is all pretty cool. Yeah. It was probably... I had purchased a digital piano with the intent of it being like a practice tool for classical. Mm-hmm. It had like fully weighted keys. It was a Kurzweil, and that was kind of the cutting-edge keyboard at the time. And the just happened to have some other sounds on it with like the Rhodes and the Clavinet and the Wurlitzer and the Hammond. And I had really gotten into like a huge inspiration for me at the time was uh, like Modesky, Martin, and Wood. So like mm-hmm. John Modesky keyboard player and that just brilliant player and he had this you'd watch the videos of them performing and he had eight or nine different keyboards around <laughs> he's always spinning around in his stool and playing multiple keyboards at the same time i was like well it looks like a lot of fun and it sounds way cooler than you know being tied to just the piano sounds so i kind of just stumbled on it and um started experimenting with it and all of those instruments kind of lend themselves to different styles of comping and like leading solos and they respond differently to rhythm you know like a clavinet's more percussive uh the Rhodes is more chimey than the Wurlitzer so each of those instruments kind of take on a certain character in your playing so then you have access on some of this new stuff to just you know infinite palettes of characters and that's that can get really creative in the moment because all of a sudden you'll just be like, oh, this would sound good here. And you'll flip to it and be like, oh, that worked. Or again, sometimes it doesn't. You know? <laughs> yeah. how, how many uh, keys do you play on uh, that you take to a gig? Uh, it depends on the gig. So if it's kind of like a one-off gig and it's in town and it's more casual, it's just a 73 key Nord Stage 3. And that has some brilliant sounds on it. And... Um, but like a larger gig, I usually just put the Nord on top of the Rhodes. Mm. So I've got two Rhodes pianos and that's really fun because as much as the digital stuff tries, there's always that extra 10%, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, if I'm going all out, I'll bring three or four keyboards. So it'll be like a Rhodes, a Wurlitzer, the Nord on top is kind of the Swiss army knife. And then I've, I've got like a Leslie that I haul out sometimes depending on how generous my bandmates are feeling and helping me move it. Cause it's like, Hey, you want to help me move a <laughs> bookshelf yeah. full of books for this gig? You know, but there's nothing like it. It's totally worth it. And, um, yeah, but my favorite right now is probably like the roads, uh, the real roads. And then, um, some of the Hammond sounds on the Nord are really convincing. And I actually just got a, uh, Hammond C3 gifted to me from Kevin Janza, who plays in the Cloverfold, which is right. really excellent uh, local folk and bluegrass and uh, songwriting vehicle. And he actually just gifted that to me a couple weeks ago, and I'm taking it up to Minneapolis, this place called Minnesota Organ Service. Richard Warren, check him out. He's like world-renowned organ tech. And he does these things called like chop jobs where he takes Hammonds and basically cuts off the platform on the bottom, but retains the case. And 
switches out some of the internals, make them a little bit more stable, tunes them up. And the list of clients that he has is just astounding. So it'll be a hit in my pocketbook, but it'll totally be worth it. <laughs> so you know, he's, yeah. kind of, he's kind of taking like a, a chop shop, uh, you know, motorcycle type yeah. theory and putting it to that. Sort of. Well, the, the Hammond, people loved the sound so much, but it was so immovable. Right. So a lot of people couldn't use the foot pedals, but they really liked the key bed sounds. So they started just like chopping the bottom off taking the foot pedals off because that's removable anyway. So they would chop the bottom off, put these big like road casters on the side, and then, you know, have two or three people move it. And that was how you could get a real Hammond sound to a gig safely. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you wouldn't have to use those big sort of like furniture dollies to get it there. But yeah, so like Hammond chop is what they call it. And Richard, it, it looks looks amazing the work that he's done and he's done work on um oh like he built a hammond for prince and like joey de francesco and like umphreys mcgee if you're into jam band stuff um the eagles he worked on their setup so his uh pedigree for that is just amazing he's got an okay resume yeah, <laughs> yeah it's incredible so i'm really looking forward to that but it takes about six months to do that and overhaul it and um, I'll probably start bringing that out soon as well. So All right. Yeah. So how many keyboards total do you have? Normally, um, I ask that question of somebody who plays guitar. Yeah, I think I've got, with the Hammond, it would be 11 now. Woo! Yeah. So, and you still have a piano in the house? No, I don't have a real piano right now. don't have right a real now. piano. Yeah. It, my, I have the piano I was raised on at my parents' house. Okay. So, yeah. And it's pretty amazing. Once you start playing out as much as you can, especially with pianos, there's like a surplus of them. And then every so often someone's like, yeah, I got something that I think is pretty cool. And I typically just tell them, yeah, I'll take it and I'll pay you whatever you want. I'm not going to sell it. And half the time they're just like, well, you can just have it, you know? So okay, then. yeah, yeah. I end up with a pile of keyboards yeah. and yeah, it's pretty incredible. So by the generosity of my friends and some of my family members there's always people on the lookout for gear like that and um i think outside of the nord and the first roads i got uh yeah i've purchased three pianos and i have just about 11 of them that are functional so it's mostly gifts yeah you know and they're pretty generous as long as you're like well i'm not i'm not gonna like fix it up and shine it up and turn it around and sell it on craigslist or something it's like no i'm gonna keep it and play it and then usually they're like oh all right well if i'm contributing to some artistic yeah, process perfect. just have it <laughs> yeah <laughs> works so pretty well. awesome no doubt about that yeah circling back to what you uh, said uh, live composing mm -hmm. so that part of what you do is phenomenal do you do some composing too i haven't done uh i haven't done a lot the some of the albums that i played on is kind of like live composing so i was part of a group named hometown glow for a while and we put out uh two studio albums and then solfredo and they had two studio albums and then i was part of the burlap wolf king group and um they had played the levitt didn't yeah i think yeah. they just did the levitt but I had moved away before okay. then. 
but that bitter honey album mm-hmm. with a really gorgeous cover and um i played on that one and sort of com- sort of doing the improvisation and solos and live composing within the framework of other people's songs sort of scratches that itch for me i had started doing some composing during covid and i had three or four tracks lined up and the process it was it was fun to collaborate but i couldn't quite see the process through there was a lot going on uh my wife was a essentially a traveling covid icu nurse and then doing all this stuff remotely um and like sending tracks and waiting for them and getting them back and then trying to import them and make them sound right it wasn't quite the same process that i had enjoyed so i do want to get back into composing and there's a handful of select friends that have heard some of the rough tracks that i've done of like just my music but um the a lot of those other albums were with the exception of the burlap wolf king album those were sort of collaborative composing and i would come to the group with some progressions and some transitions and then they would sort of fill in the blanks from there so yeah has it surprised you how much collaboration there is between different groups or is that just natural when it comes to musicians it's pretty natural yeah and if you approach it the right way it's a there's some people who guard their circles pretty tightly and they have people that they're really comfortable playing uh playing with and um yeah it's um it never ceases to surprise me and that um that's part of the fun of it is you can learn something from any player at any point even if it's a student usually they found some sort of core idea that they really enjoy or that resonated with them and if you're paying attention you can sort of use that in your own way or help them develop an idea and um yeah it's a beautiful process so like coming together of the minds and um I think that's the key, especially in the Midwest and even when we're traveling because we lived in Seattle and Minneapolis and Asheville and Baltimore and Kansas City. And if you approach it with an open mindset like that, you'll find other people who are willing to collaborate. And um, yeah, it's a really beautiful process and the community starts to show up. And, you know, you show up to a few jam sessions and play for free a couple times. You know, a lot of people have the, well, I don't play for free and I don't <laughs> I don't do this. But when you're in a new city, you don't really have a choice. And it's like, well, it's like a networking event. You play two or three songs for free and then, you know, meet some people, start collaborating, start getting calls for gigs. And um, what surprised me, too, was in terms of collaboration, um, in some of the other cities, there was there's players that were like miles beyond me and I had even chat with them, especially in Seattle. Seattle had some incredible musicians. Asheville had incredible musicians, Minneapolis as well, but Seattle was some upper echelon players who were really well connected. And, um, one of them, one of them that I met, he was a good friend, but after we had had a few drinks one night, I was telling him what was coming up and what gigs I would be playing and he should come out and see a couple of them. He was kind of like, man, I think I've got like two gigs in the next two months. It's like, I have no one's calling me. I was wow. like, really? <laughs> yeah. And then 
I spent a little bit more time with him and I, it was sort of like, well, you know, I saw him at some gigs. He was really intense on stage and really, uh, really kind of like type A <laughs> and you could see he would like get upset if a song wouldn't go quite right. And he would sort of, sort of throw off the balance of the stage, not saying taking it too seriously, but taking, um, sort of like taking himself a little bit too seriously. And, um, it surprised me how much people, it seems, uh, it seems cliche, but it's like people call other musicians that they enjoy playing with Mm -hmm. versus if someone, you know, has chops for days or has the instrument figured, figured out inside and out on like some just ridiculous level of proficiency. But if their mood isn't right at the gig or their mood on stage is a little bit funky, it kind of interferes with that whole process of combustion where you have the three or four minds all working at once. Because if someone kind of has a little bit of a, they don't quite have their sort of resonance chamber figured out in their head or in their body, everything that the other player is doing falls flat a little bit. And people can pick up on that and... They're like, well, that was really good. Maybe call for a studio session, but I'm not going to play with them three or four times a week because it wasn't really that enjoyable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that's a, that's a big part of it is just enjoying it and being an enjoyable player and also just being able to like laugh, laugh stuff off on stage when things don't go quite right. Or, you know, keeping that sort of conversational mindset is really important. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of having fun, did did I see you play one night with your nose? Oh yeah, I ran out of fingers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was uh some of that stuff. Sometimes you know, it's like you got guitarists who showboat and play behind their head and stuff like that. But I remember, I remember that particular one, especially with the organ. You know, you s- sort of like run out of. You're like, oh, I have an idea, but all my hands are like locked in or all my fingers are locked into a certain chord. If I could just hit this one note, you're like, well, I guess I'll just lean over and use my nose on the, and hold the note oh down. <laughs> yeah. Not taking yourself so, too seriously then, huh? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I think at that moment I was thinking about, cause there are some Hammond players where they use little weights. So when you do sort of the, um, sort of gospel breakdowns and there's uh-huh. this like really long held high note, there are some players who will just have like a little weight and they'll just set it on the keyboard and then that'll hold like that high root note. Now. Yeah. And then they'll run around on the rest of the keyboard doing that. It's like, I didn't have any weights with me. So I guess my nose was the, <laughs> the next, next best, best thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's the, uh, the person you would love to play with the most that you haven't, that you also think you would learn from? Ooh. a good question i get in one per interview and this one took the 28th minute so oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um to me i think one of the one of my blind spots that i struggle with just being raised in classical is playing notes kind of on the grid or like rhythms on the grid so rhythmic players who or players who have tons of rhythmic variation are really fascinating to me because I'm kind of like, where does that come from? You mm-hmm. know, you have all the drum rudiments and things like that. And I even went so far as like 
sitting at my desk at work and tapping out drum rudiments while I was on hold on the phone. <laughs> I was doing desk job work. And so I guess um, any player who has like a strong rhythmic sense, but there's a lot of drummers I would love to jam with just to sort of see what it feels like to be in the same room as some of those grooves. People like Questlove or people oh, like yeah. uh, Billy Billy Martin from Modesky Martin and Wood. And um, even some of the bassists like Robert Glasper's band, like Derek Hodge. And drummers are infinitely fascinating to me because there's a pretty limited tone palette in terms of, you know, if you look at a piano that has a bunch of settings and synthesizers and all this stuff. It's like you have orchestra at your fingertips. The drummers have a couple sticks mm-hmm. and they can create such an infinite, basically like infinite collection of sounds just by touch, but then also operating within this sort of rhythmic, uh, sort of like rhythmic framework and keeping it all held together. So yeah, like drummers and bassists, any other rhythm section players, you so yeah it's a it's amazing it's amazing seeing how creative that they can get with the tools that they're working with and um i'm big on creativity by limitation has been sort of a big concept for me so you start to narrow down your instrument or maybe pick one pick one sound that you're going to use for three or four songs straight and see how far you can take it or see how far you can like explore the corners and some of the some of the nuances will like reveal themselves after so long. And um yeah, rhythmic variation is something I want to focus on a lot more. So at this point, yeah, it'd be it would be anyone who's in that sort of upper echelon of rhythm players. Mm-hmm. So yeah. When you are not part of the arts and entertainment scene, what do you like to be entertained by? Um, try to exercise as much as I can outdoors exercise hiking yeah you know there's a whole world to see and I've that's probably uh that fire probably got lit in me after sitting in a practice room for so long uh, like, that oh, would wow. be. <laughs> the outside Sunlight. world <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so lots of hiking kayaking um I try to any sort of like outdoor almost like zen activity where go on like a short hike and set up a hammock and just try to hang out and soak up the entire environment um i've been really big into uh sort of like meditation with a lowercase m where it's more so just mindfulness or just like perceiving your environment and trying to be knowledgeable how you're affecting the environment around you or you're affecting even like the social fabric around you in certain social situations and um yeah and i mean in terms of i just like seeing people have a good time at yeah. this point you know <laughs> yeah so either outdoors or kind of just people watching <laughs> <laughs> people watching people participating <laughs> yeah totally yeah any other hobbies um I do a lot of sound engineering, actually. So I'm g- kind of at like a journeyman level. Okay. That. So that's that's kind of how um, my parents convinced me to 
go to church for so long is I got to run the soundboard. Right. And they had this like big, awesome soundboard and all these microphones, and that was really fascinating. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing then that you have gas. Gear acquisition syndrome. Um. I've managed to stay away from it a little bit. I did when because I was younger. Because you've got 11 keyboards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it was so prohibitively expensive. The stuff that True. I wanted, I was just oh, like, my. oh, geez. You know, a couple thousand dollars for a quality keyboard. And then um, something that um, sort of helped me along that process is, I don't remember who I was talking to, but we were working on some project and talking about buying tools and he said something like um only buy the tools as you need them oh. you know so it's like any true contractor or mechanic they don't just have a warehouse full of tools right they get the job and then they say oh well i'm gonna need this and then they yeah. go out and grab that so that's kind of been the philosophy that i've kept where after so long it's like mm, i'll probably need this for this gig you know <laughs> so that's probably my excuse to have gear acquisition syndrome all right but I was a guitarist for a long time too, and that's really oh. easy to fall into. Yeah, you started buying yeah. boutique pedals and like modifying amps. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I I I have it because of audio equipment. Mm. Uh, but uh, most of those places are you know huge music stores. Yeah, um, and you know guitar center, Sweetwater, mm. uh, musicians' friend, etc. And every time it gets to the guitar accessories section, it's like. Oh yeah. How many foot pedals you need? Yeah, it's incredible. And they I mean they put so much brilliant engineering into yeah. such a little box and it's like they're beautiful pieces of equipment but then you look at some of the pedal boards you're like, "Geez, there's like $8,000 worth of pedals on that pedal board." And they're just they start searching for their tone, you know. And I yeah. that's probably they probably have the same maybe a little bit of the same philosophy or excuse maybe where Oh, I need this tone for this song because I can just tell that this song will benefit from this tone. So I got to go out and grab that other pedal, and then that that'll just that be philosophy the last works one for, for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Alexander Olson appreciates you. Uh, first of all, your your amazing talent uh, on the keys and uh, the fun thing that you have going with the uncalculated jazz cooperative, and can't wait to uh, see them uh, playing once again. At a place near you. Yeah. Yeah. And, awesome. Uh, that'll be a, a great time. But to thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time to be on the Dave Folly Hour. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah. And we'll be back with more in just a moment. Comedy magician and hypnotist Jesse Moffitt's right. He can't play the piano, but he can sure entertain crowds with his amazing magic and clever quips. His shows always make the participants the stars, especially when they've fallen asleep on stage. Uh, I mean, they've been hypnotized. Are you the party planner in your group? Then you owe it to your group to make the event magical, even if it puts you to sleep. Here's how. For booking information, go to Jesse Moffat Entertainment on Facebook. That's J-E-S-S-E. M-O-F-F-I-T-T -T, or call 605-929-0964. Helping women feel empowered and confident is what Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th does while supplying high quality clothing that fits your lifestyle, personality, and price point. Whether you want comfy and cozy, casual attire, or something for a special occasion, Posh provides quality, selection, and value. 
They carry sizes extra small to 3X and have something appropriate for any age. Feel empowered and get confident. Posh Boutique at the Bridges at 57th. Check out the new ceramic studio in Sioux Falls, conveniently located off Kiwanis Avenue on 5th Street. TJS Ceramics. Bisque, studio time, or finished custom items are available. Visit TJS Ceramics Studio in Sioux Falls today. And now, more of the Dave Holly Hour. Welcome back, everybody. You know what's coming out of my mouth, don't you? It's always a pleasure to talk Sioux Empire Arts and Entertainment and double the pleasure today. This couple, well, they're they're young for one thing. Oh, that's uh, and sweet. They're, yeah, and, and, and they're on, on everything imaginable. I mean, the loaded question is, well, how are you guys? Uh, and, but that includes, you know, personal things, too. Oh, my gosh. Uh, There's but, so many. Uh, yes. But when it comes to just the activity in the arts that the two of you have matt morrison amy morrison wow you know i sit there and i look at my calendar of things that i just want to go and enjoy yeah uh, and that's a whole nother calendar right? yeah and well true because i see you and everything <laughs> I go else to those too, too. Yeah. yeah but then you're performing every between time rehearsing and so forth all right so we have a fun overload around here yes that is for sure well matt let's start with you because uh, this is thursday and tonight you and i are actually in a yes. show together as it is the uh spring finale for good night or not good night dinner <laughs> midtown coffee radio hour yes, indeed Woo! yes we've got that going on at the icon Yep, and that was a fun place to play last yeah, time, wasn't it's, it? Well, and you know the the thing that's been fun with that show is we've just watched it evolve from right. space to space and from show to show, and and still feel like we're learning something every single time, but also feeling like uh, like we're gaining uh, a lot of of momentum and just a, a greater sense of of what the show could be, and and beginning to lean into some of our more creative. Uh, inclinations shall we yeah, say <laughs> and and i noticed that uh sodak uh music magazine did yeah. a nice little piece in fact and now they're going to send a photographer for tonight's show oh fabulous yeah so no that'd pressure. be great yeah. try and look good <laughs> <laughs> or you're going to wear your jurassic park shirt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well usually usually if i'm somewhere with amy i just dress as the accessory uh, you know, so it's, true it's so yeah. weird dude well, we don't have to match everywhere we go <laughs> well you know here's what's funny is uh i had to change outfits today for this interview because I had uh, taken my wife to her place of business, and uh, it happens to be XL Chiropractors. They are the, uh, one of the sponsors, one of the first sponsors of this show. And I had gone in, had my adjustment, and then I come out, and I always uh, give her a kiss goodbye. And as I'm walking out the door, she says, I don't like that outfit. You better change. <laughs> and then one of her coworkers says, well... Uh, well, what's wrong with it? Well, it's not colorful enough. And she says, well, what's he got going on? Well, he's got an interview with a couple of people for his podcast. Oh, they won't. And I was about out the door, and I made the sharpest turnaround about when she said, oh, sh they won't care. I said, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We might care about color. We, we might see somebody that has a, a very, I don't know if you have the largest closet, but you must have a large storage area for all your clothing. We have had to live with separate closets for our entire marriage. Okay. And uh, some people talk about being um, 
bed divorced or whatever where they have to sleep in separate beds that's not our problem but we do the closet we, though we do have to have separate <laughs> closets and when our son moved out of our house i may have taken over his closet as my off season out of yeah doesn't quite fit right now closet so. well it, it's it's always great uh, you know first of all to see you guys in person uh but then also anytime that uh, you know going through facebook and the, and the guy the pictures that the two of you come out with uh are just fantastic so colorful and so fun well thank you yeah so that's that's always a pleasure all right so now tonight we've got the big show for midtown coffee radio hour but that's not the end of it for you now i've got one more show yet this spring Mm -hmm. so we've got a road trip cabaret with goodnight theater collective i get to play bass for that okay Uh, it's always a blast to be able to play uh back up for those shows and in uh the Singers are always fantastic, and to be able to just accentuate what they do is always a treat. The uh, the band makeup for that one is is a great group of of players that I've worked with before as well, which is always a, a treat. And there's when it's playing with folks that you've done things with before too. There's that that comfort level. There's that intuition that you develop with each other. And anytime that uh, that uh, you have. Eric Miller playing uh, electric next to you. No one cares what you're doing. They're all listening to Eric, so there's zero pressure on me, which is really nice. (laughs) Well, you know what's ironic is uh, they just performed Company. Great production. So wonderful. The only downfall I heard from anybody going out on the way was, sure missed the band. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that one would have been a hard one to pull You think it was hard to do with tracks. (laughs) Yes, yeah. That was a very complicated show, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, Amy, uh, are are you in the band this time as well? I am not. You're not? My official role is to be the band leader for the Mm -hmm. Goodnight Theater Collective. Um, But when Luke sent me the set list and said, okay, you can start getting your band together I I actually cried because I was under so much stress doing so many things and so I wrote back to him and I said I I never say this but I don't think I can do this and Luke said this is Luke Tatchy who is Mm -hmm. really our music director guru for all things Goodnight Theater Collective and he said I'll help you as much as you want. And then within 30 seconds, he sent me another message and he said, no, this is what I'm going to do. I am taking this away from you because I know you will not say no. <laughs> my, my friends know me, it turns yes, out. Well, yeah. it, it wound up being actually a little bit of a win-win because the previous cabaret uh, uh, was someone else, uh, Nick Jackson, our mutual friend, right. was supposed to play for that one. And Amy was supposed to play for the road trip one. And they realized that it actually worked better on all counts to swip uh, to swipe places there, yeah, and uh, and actually uh, with that one being an animated cabaret and needing all kinds of sounds and all mm-hmm. kinds of things like that, Amy was definitely the right fit. To and so many of those princess songs out. are songs I play during yeah. adolescent <laughs> lessons all the time. Yeah. So at the end of the season, everything works out well. Yeah. True, that's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and we are coming to the end of the season, but it seems like the season never ends, right. especially True. for you guys. And True. we'll get to that in a bit, but. Uh, well, what did you decide to do with your life, Amy? <laughs> I am in a major season of change in my life. Thank you for asking. I um, So I ended my 16-year time at USF this week and am now, and I also ended teaching voice lessons out of my living room. And now I'm going to be opening a studio June 5th, which is coming up in one Two and a half weeks, I believe, yeah. from today, and uh, which is 
that's okay. I'm not hyperventilating or dying at all. It's fine. Um, but it is the Effervescent Voice Academy. And my website is effmyvoice.com, fmyvoice.com. And I know I'm hilarious. Everyone seems to enjoy it. And if those, and if you don't enjoy it, we're probably not the people for you anyway. So, um, but it is going to be a multi-teacher studio and I will be training and mentoring young voice students to become voice teachers to help meet some of that demand for voice lessons in the Sioux Falls community. I could not be more excited about it and I just can't see how it won't work. There are always people looking for lessons mm -hmm. and um, we want to make this a different experience in that it's not just one-on-one -on -one lessons we'll offer group lessons and classes and um, workshops and there'll be opportunities to sing together as you know just for fun um, to do uh, rather than do recitals, we'll do some kind of, we'll do like maybe keyboard karaoke night somewhere at a downtown spot of some sort. And we'll do, I don't know even what's going to happen. And so I'm open to all kinds of fun and new and fresh ideas in learning how to train singers. So theoretically, this is going to slow down my life. I will probably fill it with other things, but um, I will be teaching less and I will be mentoring more mm -hmm. and I will be able to take time off when I want to. So. Yes. Uh, and speaking of that, you know, mm -hmm. I, I recall one year, many, many years ago when I was at uh, Kellow AM and interviewing uh, some people from retired senior volunteer program. And they were going to have a class, a workshop on owning your own business. And they had had a previous one. And the gentleman told me, he says, yeah, we had a lady that just said, oh, I can't wait to own my own business, so I only have to work half a day. And he says, <laughs> you know, you're right. You do get to choose which 12 hours you want to work. <laughs> Oh, but I, I have the. I, I know I'm, it'll be hard going well, in. Well, yeah, but uh, in the meantime, I, I think you stated it correctly that you can't see how it wouldn't work because that sounds fantastic, and especially when you have the call for so many people mm -hmm. that are looking to get voice lessons, and you are fabulous at it, as I can actually attest. Yes, this young uh, man yeah. here took lessons from me for a summer. And yes, can lay down and mean Mac the knife. Oh, so. yeah, we always we always do Mac, no problem at all. That's the go-to. Um, but uh, you know what's great about it is you know you're going to have your own studio now and so mm -hmm. forth. Boy, that's got to feel refreshing. Huh? It's very exciting, and it'll be downtown, but not. You don't have to pay for parking. We have our own parking lot. So Aww. that's nice. And it's it's across from the courthouse between the courthouse and the cathedral in North Minnesota there, mm -hmm. between the Chezwan restaurant and the come and go. Gotcha. And yeah, it's easy. If you can picture all of that, you know right where we I, are. I, yeah. I think that there was at one time a lawyer in there. And that, there that's... is. And here's the fun fact I just discovered when we went over to tour the space this week and shoot some video. It, that lawyer happens to be a grandfather of one of my students. So, oh my! And his son, <laughs> who I believe also shares the space, is my actual yeah. lawyer. And, so. we've, and we've made music with both of them. And yeah. we have, yes. <laughs> yeah. Different so, settings. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So I think it's going to be a great fit yeah, over there. Yeah, fun stuff. Looking... And we get to decorate. Yeah. Eventually, I, I had to um, hire someone to be my decorator because I do love colors so much, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, that I told somebody yesterday, if we do it with my vision, it'll just turn into a preschool. And um, <laughs> because I just have too much color and too many fun ideas I, I need to know where to like have neutrals and where to have open space because yeah clutter and patterns and and lots of things I, I do live by the philosophy of more is more mm -hmm. now 
Will this have a new piano in it? Or it is will it... have multiple digital pianos okay. in it. And I am working together with Schmidt Music to take some of their overstock off of their hands mm-hmm. as they are kind of closing the Shoppert's Gallery. Right. I guess they closed it because the building's gone now, right? Yeah. And... Um, and uh, actually bought my first piano there last week and it was on a really good it was like a floor model and so I got a really good deal on it and so I'm just kind of waiting for some last uh, funding stuff to to work itself out and then uh, yeah we may have to build it from the ground up Mm -hmm. or we may get a loan from the bank they haven't decided whether we're a worthy investment or not yet so (laughs) so that means that the piano you have in your living room that's been there for so many voice lessons stays it will stay okay that piano has a beautiful history actually i can imagine it was it was the piano at the very first church that we served right out of college it was yeah it was it was a old um the the church how long had it existed matt Uh, the church had been in existence over 125 years when we arrived when we arrived 90s yes and they were in a major growth spurt and needed to move out of their space and they were building a new building and it was far more contemporary and they needed to figure out what to do with the piano the grand piano because there was a multi-purpose space and they were going to put basketball hoops in there and stuff <laughs> and i was like i don't feel good about that so we had the piano appraised and they sold it to me for under appraisal and it has moved with us from then every place that we've moved and it will continue to stay in our living room but uh yeah that it's a it's a it holds a special piece of history in oh, our heart wow that's great what's it like to move it um, that is somebody else's job. Yep. <laughs> you hire that out. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> Don't blame me on that. Okay, so then uh, you are in a couple of things. You are starting a new business. Mm-hmm. Are the white squares going to be out and about this summer? We will see. We haven't. We don't have anything booked currently. Okay. Um, and and really, just knowing that we don't know what Amy's life is going to look like with the the startup mm-hmm. of the the studio, we're just going to take it easy. If things come our way, we'll appraise those right. on a case by case basis and see where where we landed. We certainly haven't given up on uh, doing two white squares at all. And, and right. at some point, I've, I'm hoping now that we've got a handful more original songs, I would love to uh, employ our son a little bit, who's an audio engineer, yes. to uh, do some recordings uh, for us because right now we really only have one thing that we've gone in studio to record mm-hmm. ever and it'd be nice to be able to to track a few more of those things and to have those available but we'll see we'll see when the time uh, comes for that to all come into into play but it wouldn't surprise me if we get uh, the opportunity to play front porch stage at the fair and right. some things like that later in the summer where we'll probably have a little better idea of of just how much it's going to take uh-huh. <laughs> and and how much attention it draws from Amy's uh, more important work of getting things established. All right, so you, you got the kids uh, going too. You know, your, your daughter we was in... We are uh, empty nesters. <laughs> uh, and uh, she's a doggy. Yes. Yes, and she was in the marching band, correct? Yeah. Yes, in a rather non-traditional role. Yes, I was going to (laughs) say. Which which fits Maya to a T. Absolutely. Uh (laughs) So Maya was in the color guard at Lincoln High School, which was a huge deal, but Augie's marching band in its new form, you know, it it took a few decades off, and Mm -hmm. so it just reformed a few years ago, and they don't have a color guard yet. And so Maya said... I am never playing the flute again. I believe we're her. <laughs> is Pretty a much a, a loose direct quote. <laughs> translation of, of what she said. There may have been some swear words in there, but um, um, but anyway, uh, as a matter of fact, I I needed to play the flute for church last Sunday, and she said no. I sold it. Oh. I, I said, well, didn't we have three? 
I sold them all. <laughs> well, one was borrowed that okay. had been returned. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, one was a Pawned gift. in a different way. It then. doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is there are no flutes in the Morrison house anymore. And also I played bassoon with our bell choir at church on Sunday because, you, you know, they just didn't know what they were missing. Right. Anyway, they laughed at the idea. What were we talking about, Maya? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So Maya played the bass in the marching band. And the, and the band director said... Um, we don't have a bass in the marching band. She goes, cool. So I can do that, right? <laughs> and, and he was trying to convince a her. A little to, strong willed? To, well, he was he was trying to convince <laughs> her to play brass as yeah. well. And, and she, you know, Maya says, I've never played brass and I'm not going to play brass. Uh-huh. I'm going to play bass. And eventually and, one, yeah, one, one out and letter. it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes, you know, we don't, we don't have, uh, we don't have power running to the pit. She goes, well, I think if Lincoln High School can figure it out, probably we can figure it out, you know. And one time yeah, she literally... Put the pressure on a college right? after a high school. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, she she did one time, they played in a parking lot, and she ran electricity for her amp out of her car. She, like, had a hookup so that she could plug it into her car. <laughs> she gently wedged her toe in the door and uh-huh. never removed it and just kept wedging and just kept wedging. Yep. So And then did some other ensembles this uh, this spring and, and mm-hmm. things like that, more like a rock band uh, kind right. of setting. She was actually put in a rock ensemble that's led by Jeremy Haig and oh. got to play at our wine bar the week that we opened company. So we didn't get to go oh, see her. Oh, my. But, yeah, she's playing in a rock funk type ensemble. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they got a few uh, instructors over there at Augie. Right, they're, you know, they're okay. Yeah. yeah, well, and, and Maya and yeah. Maya is such a such a good bass player too. I always tell people that if if you're going to a good night uh, show and you want the best Morrison bass player available, you need to ask Maya. Maya. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, Xander, mm-hmm. uh, he could be at every one of your shows, couldn't he? Yep, he could. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how did he get started in that? Was that a, a push from yeah, no, Mama I, Bad at all? Well, I think for a while, he, he honestly had a bit of a complex because he felt like because music uh, or a, a musical instrument wasn't like his end all be all mm-hmm. that he wasn't really a part of the family. Mm. Oh, I don't know about that. I, <laughs> I remember him saying that almost directly. Okay. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I but, but really, what, really what he what he discovered over time was that what really tripped his trigger was uh, electronic dance music uh, yeah. and and that as a genre. Uh, so he wound up spending a lot of time creating. You know, it was one of those things where it's like he's in his bedroom with his headphones on mm-hmm. for hours, days at a time doing something we don't know what it is and then he comes out with a piece of music and he wow. said oh i dropped an album it's on spotify xander yeah. morrison music by the way <laughs> we're like oh okay. is that what you've been doing so he's the quietest practicer we've ever heard <laughs> and his his instrument is his computer but you know he really taught himself so many things he was a student at new tech high school and he always had his headphones and his computer with him and kids would be like hey what are you up to today and he's like you want to hear and he was making sounds with with like freeware on the internet mm-hmm. and learning how to create synthesized sounds and stuff. And so he went to DSU and studied, uh, what was it? Digital arts and design uh, with a digital sound design major. Wow. He was a DAD, digital arts and design dad major. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which I think is funny. He's got a dad degree. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and so now he is actually really quite fabulous. He works with uh, Adam Ellsworth, uh, with Molten oh, Audio, Molten. Yeah. Uh, quite frequently he's a he's a he's got gig work with him, and mm-hmm. Adam says I'd love to be able to keep him around before somebody else snatches oh, him up. Wow, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we he does make 
us sound better. Mm-hmm. He's he's the Literally. he's the he's the guy. Yeah. Okay, so he he gets it in digital audio then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when it comes to you know engineering a gig and so forth, you know, and you got all the buttons and everything moving around, so I have to ask you: Does the young man have gas? <laughs> Gear acquisition syndrome. Oh, uh, his, his budget, mom shouldn't say this. His his budget will not allow for that at this stage of the game. Honestly, I, I think he he he's always been very responsible on mm-hmm. on that front, and so he, we we definitely have more of a problem with that than he does. Well, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, and the 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 issue for us in acquiring gear is that oftentimes it's given to us, or we win it. Oh, or yes. So if we, you have old musical gear that you want to just <laughs> offload on the Morrisons, do you need a preamp? A mic preamp? It's in great I, condition. I've been given two accordions, though, so there's uh-huh. that. But. Well, you know, that's something that when somebody gives that away, I know. that's a huge okay. thing, isn't accordions, it? Accordions, fur coats, and grand pianos. Incredibly expensive to acquire and impossible to get rid of. Yeah. No one will buy them from you. Oh. So you just give them away. And if you're an eccentric enough person, sometimes you get them given to you. yes because uh, matt and i are are both winners Uh, we're recording this on the zoom live track eight which i won from a company the same company that matt morrison won a guitar from yes indeed yeah we've done all right then yeah yeah, anytime, anytime you walk away with free gear, it's a good day. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, it's fun to have that uh, to be able to say it first of all, but also, you know, nice stuff too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and for me, it was really nice because I've always I've always had to lug a guitar, an acoustic guitar, between church and home and mm-hmm. Dwight Squares gigs and here, there, and everywhere. And now for me to have one that's a dedicated gigging guitar that I can right. just keep and it's at home. a little smaller. It's a little smaller, yeah. so it's a little more convenient and and really plays beautifully. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, very, very, very pleased with uh, said acquisition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So earlier you mentioned that uh, when it comes to two white squares, nothing booked yet for the summer, but uh, you'll, you'll we're assess open things to as, yeah, as things come <laughs> along. What but ab- we're not accurate. Yeah. What about the bassoons? Oh, okay. So our bassoon band was started by a woman named Lori Thomas, who was my bassoon instructor at USD um, in the early 90s and she recently turned older than that and um i don't want to say it wrong i can't remember but anyway it it, it's the leadership of the group has been handed over to me and because i'm spread so thin i have neglected to get us gigs for the last two summers so the not yet famous bassoon band is becoming less famous by the moment i'm afraid oh you know one thing we need to talk about matt uh, because I just got one again. A turntable. Ah, yes. Mm. Yes. Yep. And I, I think I'm going to, you know, you don't want to copy somebody. Uh, <laughs> but when you post and you show what album you're listening mm, to, sure. on, and you post that on social media, I always get such a kick out of that. So, uh, but I only have maybe a, a dozen albums right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of it very old. Sure. Uh, and we just ran into, uh, we were up in the Twin Cities over the weekend, and uh, there were a couple of great antique stores that we found. Um, so I got uh, Kansas. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, I, I picked up, uh, you know, some Floyd Kramer. Oh, yeah. Piano stuff. <laughs> yeah. And some jazz <laughs> albums and, and uh, another Christmas set. 
of uh, you know 36 tracks. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and and Carrie found some a few weeks ago here at an estate sale. So, oh, she cool. found the best part was she found Glenn Campbell greatest hits. Wow. Because <laughs> I had purchased uh, in a bargain bin one time for three bucks Glenn Campbell's greatest hits on CD. It was the worst sounding thing I'd ever oh, no. heard. <laughs> And it's like, oh, man, I was so bummed because I actually got to interview him when oh. he was in Sioux Falls that time to play the South Dakota oh, Symphony Orchestra cool. yeah, yeah. for oh, PBS. Sure. And it's like, man, you know, I, I always wanted to have more of his stuff in, but she found it, so we Very are good. good. We're, we're golden on that part. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite cassettes when I was in high school um, was the greatest hits of the Beatles. And so there oh, were some Beatles right. things that I really, really know and others that I've never heard of. Well, and so ironically, this. it was a greatest hits from like their, their early, early, early days. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the other, and I would listen to that to get amped up for swim meets when I would swim competitively. Uh -huh. And the other one that I listened to was Bach's greatest hits. Yeah. So <laughs> well, it all started with B. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that section of my cassette collection. I just pulled them out because they were in alphabetical order, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Bach's Toccata and Fugue in D minor, one of my favorite amp up songs to swim really fast. So. Yeah. Did it work? Uh, yeah. Well, oh, oh, do we have some bragging? Um, I just hung in with swimming for a very long time. Okay. So I did hold some records, but mostly because I was just the oldest one on our community swim team. It wasn't a high school swim team. And I hung in there through my senior year. So, yes, not only did I do show choir and jazz band and all of the plays and, you know, band and choir and um, all of those things, I also was a swimmer year-round because mm -hmm. we had an indoor pool in my hometown yeah. so <laughs> uh both of you uh, from uh, sheldon iowa that is correct. and uh, for those that are maybe hearing about you for the first time high school even before high school was no it? we were high school sweethearts but high we've school known each other since like, elementary school yeah mm -hmm. okay but it didn't take long and of course the uh, the music well it was it was interesting because we uh, yeah we don't remember when we met our my father and and her mom and stepdad worked at the same community college mm -hmm. and so we wound up in a lot of same friend group kind of activities you know labor day memorial day families get together for a cookout like a distant cousin yeah. sort of yeah yeah that, i mean really that kind of that kind of vibe the first time that we ever played music There's together some punch lines in there yeah <laughs> first time we ever played music together would have been junior high jazz band that was the the first time that we that we ever yeah matt made played music trumpet together. and yeah. i played piano but yeah the the first time that Not i bassoon. yeah the but it was several it was even a few years after that that i finally asked her out for the first time and uh, and she shot me down because it was kind really? of it was kind I mean, of like getting asked out by your cousin. I mean, it was really a little. Mm. There was that level of familiarity, mm -hmm. and yeah. eventually I wore her down, or she took pity on me, or something. And he says he wore me down. I says he took. I like to say he took a chance on the weird girl because boy was <laughs> I weird. You think I'm weird now? High school me had less filter, and I was still figuring myself out. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, always a fun tale to hear about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, see USD, and then uh, did we do some Northern Colorado? Yep, Northern too? Colorado for yeah. graduate school. We got married at ages nineteen and twenty, Woo. and yep. Th so it was right after Matt's. Well, he he asked me to marry him right after high school graduation. I'm so sorry to all the parents whose kids are graduating <laughs> right now. 
Um, that sounds terrifying, but we'd know. I mean, we knew. We yeah. had been three years into this relationship, and it just was, it was right. And, and all that distant cousin stuff beforehand, too, yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, so it just seemed right. So. Well, we know it's right, uh, mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, those of us that uh, take in all the arts and entertainment around this uh, community see you so often, and it's all in such great quality stuff, and uh, quite often fun stuff, too. Yeah, so... Oh, yeah. What's been the most fun, uh, let's go with the, the most fun gig you've had together? I mean, I honestly, I would probably go with Company, the, the show that we just wrapped up. Mm-hmm. It was the first time since we started dating that we were ever cast in the same show together. Right. Let alone opposite each other. And yeah. So it was the first time that we actually had the opportunity to, you know, it was nice for us to be able to know that right. that, that we had rehearsals to go to and we were actually going to the same, same one. Same place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a unique uh, uh, mix What's on your of, calendar, same as yours. Yeah, <laughs> su- such a unique mix of, of uh, folks in that cast who, from different avenues of life that we've had experience with over the years, and uh, just such a, a special group. Uh, no divas, no egos, mm-hmm. uh, everyone just all on board and, and very Pulling supportive their and, doing and, their thing, and encouraging. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. just a, a great experience top to bottom. Mm-hmm. It was. It was very fun and it was hard, um, which it's the hard that makes it good, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom Hanks said in uh, League, League of Their Own. Yep. Yep. Of course oh, it's hard. hard. It's the hard that makes it good. Yeah. If it was easy, anybody, <laughs> anybody would, do would do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Amy, same answer for you then? The absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Playing on the stage at the Levitt last year was a fun, oh, was fun. adventure wow. for the two of us as well. That was, It was an intimidating audience simply because it was so big, um, but... And once we got rolling, it was just, you know, they were just Doing your thing. our friends, yeah. you know, and it was really nice when Nancy Halverson said, I've known these guys for a long time because our kids went to elementary school together. Uh-huh. Um, how many of you people know these guys? And like there was this huge cheer. And I thought, well, this is just our friends. Then yeah. it's way less scary <laughs> that way. All right. Individually, then, what's been the most fun thing you've been in? Ever in my whole entire life? Yeah. <laughs> I might have to think about that because I do a lot of fun things. Um, can I think for a second? Yes, do you know yeah. your answer? Well, I think I think for me, Midtown uh, Midtown yeah. Coffee Radio Hour has been it's such a unique setting <laughs> and uh, a gift that I never would have asked for. I know, um, and it's just been such a, a joy to be a, a part of that, and especially being able to work with people that I love uh, and just enjoy being around. That we have so much fun together, but also being knowing that that we are we do this on such a short turnaround right uh you know we when we when we prep for a good night show if it's something like company we're two two and a half months if it's something like a a cabaret it's a month month and a half and we do all of this outside of song selection in a week yeah and and it's it's just it has a different kind of energy to it because of that because we know you know we're, we're flying by the seat of our pants but we also trust each other uh, to to do to bring our best to it. Well, the the thing that uh, gets me, you know, we, it was great being at Icon. It's going to be great being at Icon again tonight. Um, but I miss Augie for one little thing because of where I always sat on the stage at Augie. Oh, sure. Oh. <laughs> I had a view of this panoramic view of everybody in the band. And I could look at each of you individually. I could look at everybody playing together and so forth. Uh, but my favorite part was always then, I'd look back at Tyson playing on the drums. He just always and plays with so much joy, doesn't and he? And there'd just be this little wink, and uh, that made me think of you know Tom Hanks and uh, you know um, oh, the Oneiders. Was it Catch Me If You? No, 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 no. no. no, no. Um, 
when they have the band that makes it big. Yeah, that thing you do. That thing you yeah. do. Yeah, one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. When uh, Steve Zahn's character looks back and goes, "Sketch, how did we get here?" <laughs> 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 so I always think of that. But I mean, it's just it's. I sit there and I, I'm very lucky um, to be surrounded by the talent that I get to hear. And I've mentioned this to the band before many times. What I love about it is that there may be a song that when it was on the radio, I went, yeah, so what? And then when it's played live by you guys. It's just like, okay, i got to download that now. <laughs> you know, a song I didn't necessarily care for, and I was like, okay, I'm getting the meaning better. Sure. And it's just you know, it's such a joy to watch all of you. Uh, well, and uh, such a joy to watch both of you together. That was fun uh, with company. And uh, then also, you know, anytime you get to play together in the uh, Good Night Band yeah. or when you're playing as uh, White Squares. It's, yesterday it's, for Mother's Day, uh-huh. my favorite, or I'm sorry, this last week for Mother's Day, it wasn't yesterday. Um, my favorite gift was making music with our whole family at oh, church. Wow. And man, we just, it was it was great. It was it was a really wonderful spirit that was there, but it was also really quality and it was awesome. And so that was really fun. I have my answer now to my my All right. Are you ready? Let's hear it. Um, I think the and I will always say that this was my favorite role too, but was playing Mary Poppins in Mitchell. Mm. And um, in Mitchell, the theater community community just embraced me so wholeheartedly, and I had just a beautiful time getting to know some people there, getting to do some things that I might not have had an opportunity to do otherwise because there are so many talented musicians um, in Sioux Falls. Not that there aren't talented ones in Mitchell as well, but they are also spread very thin. So um, getting to be practically perfect in every way, even though I maybe fell down twice during the production <laughs> of that show, which was kind of hilarious. And, um, and it, the dancing was fun, phenomenal, and the costumes were fun, and it was just really, really fun to play that role and pretend to be magical and perfect. So that's oh, the one wow. I'm going to say. All right. And now for the final two questions. Oh. Answer number one quite often eliminates question number two. <laughs> when you're not part of the arts and entertainment, what do you like to be entertained by, Matt? Ooh. I mean, honestly, the main thing that I spend, well... I, I could give two answers. Anything sci-fi fantasy related. That, okay. that would be, especially that would be, Star especially Wars. Especially Star Wars, Lord uh-huh. of the Rings. Uh, or uh, professional uh, cycling, uh, road racing. I've been a fan uh, yes, since the, the you mid, do a lot of cycling. mid late 80s. Yeah. And, and like uh, I know that today uh, uh, we're halfway through the Tour of Italy this year and uh, and and i like every day i'm watching coverage i'm keeping mm-hmm. up on and that yeah i i obsess over that way 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 too much all right any other hobbies i really music cycling yeah that's that's that's, that's about the, all i have time he for. fixes and repairs bikes that's too. true yeah yeah, yeah. i i, I refer to it as my therapy <laughs> so there are times that people want to bring a bike to me and they're like how much how much can i give you it's like if you want to pay me for for my therapy then <laughs> perfectly yeah. fine with that i've had to pay for my therapy <laughs> all right amy uh when not part of the arts and entertainment what do you like to be entertained by um it's terrible just tv uh <laughs> how boring of me i hobby wise i like to sew and create fun things um sometimes i'll just go on a on a whim and just start making purses or instrument mm. cases or whatever um usually i just get myself immersed in like 
some project of some sort. I like to do, I don't know, creative projects, but um, I like hanging out with my friends and, you know, just having an evening out and being social with people, I think, is probably my favorite thing to do. All right. Fantastic. Well, Matt and Amy Morrison, uh, always a pleasure to have you here. Always a pleasure to be around anything that you guys are involved in. And tonight, Matt, to be involved with you in a, yes, in a production is come, always going to be great. Come give all the laughs yes. and big cheers with yeah, me exactly. on the front row, yeah, woo girl. You are the woo girl. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you both. Appreciate the time to be on the Dave Holly Hour. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks so Dave. much. And we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment. Ladies, when it's time to give your nails some love, get that extra special treatment from Quality Nails on South Minnesota Avenue in Sioux Falls. Manicures and pedicures that look great and make you feel fantastic. Zaya and Tony provide professional care for your hands and feet, whether you just want the basics or an extra special look with added flair. Oh, and guys, it's okay to treat yourself too. Quality Nails, call for an appointment, 605-334-1463. Your time's up. Thanks again to those great guests, Amy and Matt Morrison and Alexander Olson. And of course, thank you for listening, downloading, sharing and following on social media and those cups of coffee. Mm. If you haven't so far, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That automatically gets you entered for Pizza with a Podcaster. For all 180 episodes, you can go online, DaveHollyHour.com. As the Sioux Falls Arts Council says, together we art. As Arts South Dakota says, home is where the art is. As I say, put some art in your heart. Remember, I'm Dave Holly, and for me, every day is a holiday. The Dave Holly Hour has been brought to you by TJS Ceramics, Posh Boutique, The Sky in Tea, Excel Chiropractic, Quality Nails, Jesse Moffat Entertainment, and Sonny's Pizzeria. If you would like to contribute to the continued success of this podcast, simply buy Dave a cup of coffee. Go to DaveHollyHour.com and look for a coffee cup icon in the lower left. The Dave Holly Hour is produced in the Dipsy Doodle Studios by Big D Entertainment. Thanks for listening.